Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. You're genuine, right? Down Sorry? South. Down south. You serve down south? Yeah. Whereabouts? Pebble Island. Pebble Island? No, that still doesn't ring a bell. And the cat badge you're wearing doesn't ring a bell, and it's not real. And I feel confident enough to say that. It's up to you if you want to hang about. Well, hello, this is different for me. Chris Throw, how are you doing? <laughs> 50, 50. I'm so, poofing, Jonah. How are you coping in COVID-19 world? Um, well, how can I say? I work from home and I haven't watched the news for 20 years, so not, n- nothing has changed except the traffic noise is gone, which has just been absolutely heaven. And the birds have started singing again. So, yeah, can't complain, Oppo. What, can't part, of the complain. World? what, what, what part of the world are you? Uh, I'm in the southwest, mate. Anyone that, uh, um, let's just say I'm near the ocean, and uh, I think all of our comrades will know the place I'm talking about. No bother. I, well, I, I'm up in uh, Edinburgh. I've got the uh, fourth estuary flowing right beside me. Um, we, you know, even though with the lockdown, the, uh, the the traffic doesn't really seem to have altered much because we haven't got as many cars and people up here. Um, and those that have survived, I think, are still at home. So, so the, 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 remind me, which is the one on the east side, and which is the one on the west? Which okay. two, bridge, two big yeah, bridges, right? I think you'll find east is the other side. Um, so east is uh, Edinburgh, Glasgow to the west. Yeah, never, yeah. never reach shredded wheat. But you've got the fourth and the fourth bridge. But you've got the fourth estuary and you've got the Clyde. Yeah, but what if you come down the other side of the country? Is it the seven or am I? Am I no, no, seven, seven is down at Wales in between uh, Cornwall and Bristol. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's just like this. When I ran the length of the UK. Uh, what year was that? That was 2018. Yeah, I remember watching that. Yeah. So I ran the, the length. Of... Sorry, what was the name of that big hill in Wales that just seemed to never end? Ah, oh, it wasn't any particular name. It was, um, it was just a hill that I ran up and it went up for, I can't remember if it was 18 kilometres or 18 miles, but it was... Didn't, doesn't really matter, but it just went up and up and up. And the most amazing thing was even carrying a 15 kilo Bergen, it, I, just ran, I, I just ran up. And yet back in the day, back in, you know, when we served, that sort of thing, just the thought of it, <laughs> just the thought of it would have put me out of action. Well, uh, well that was just full fighting all the weight though, wasn't it, back then? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, the thing I'm trying to remember about Scotland is Colin McLaughlin, very nice man, from, was in the first episode of the SAS programme. He wanted to come to one of the bridges to meet me. And the point I'm trying to get to, it, it was the other bridge, the one, the one that runs down the east side of Scotland. I came down the left side because I wanted to pay my respects at the Commando Memorial. Yeah, Spain and, Bridge, yeah. And so I'm... I'm still trying to ask you, what, what, what was the bridge I crossed? So, well, there could have been a, a number of bridges. It probably Dumbarton Bridge. Oh, gosh. Okay. So down from Dumbarton, you'd have come in just uh, west of Paisley and then followed yeah. it for, um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that, 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 that all rings a bell. For some reason, I thought there were like, like two, two really famous bridges, but obviously I'm, I'm, my geography and my... My architecture's rubbish. Well, I, I think Scotland would like to say there's a lot more bridges than that. Uh, 
Um, so the fourth rail bridge is perhaps the most iconic, the one that looks like Nessie with the three humps painted oh. red. Then you've got the fourth road bridge, which was built in the 60s. And then you've got the new Queensferry Crossing <coughs> that, uh, that, that opened up two or three years ago. And then on the west side, you've got a variety of bridges going across the Clyde, actually in Glasgow. But then out to the west, you've got uh, the Dumbarton Bridge. Yeah, the bridges I crossed were absolutely spectacular, Jonah. Yeah. To run across, on, especially on such an iconic outing as, as running the length of the country on your own, it was just utter heaven, those, those long, straight bridges with the wind, you know, the wind blowing Blow. down the estuary. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, yeah, quite a, quite a memorable, quite a memorable moment. But it does get windy up here. Quite windy. Yeah, well. <laughs> Do you have problem with wind? <laughs> <laughs> I have a big wind problem. <laughs> we do in this house. So I've been watching your podcast and everything with interest and you, you've, you've got quite a lot of videos posted and you seem to have been around. Now, obviously, we've never served together, but to, I think we, we crossed paths. I joined in 84, came out in 95. You joined, I think, was it 88, you said, and you came out in 95 as well. Mm. And then you ended up out in uh, Hong Kong. And then, then what did you get up to? Oh, gosh. Uh, after Hong Kong was kind of my, uh, well, in my, my second memoir, Joan, is called 40 Nights. Yeah, nice plug. Yes, yeah. get it in there. And the reason I called it that is that was kind of my real resettlement period. That took, it took me about probably two and a half years in total to, to, come through my mental health problems upon leaving the core. Um, not strictly related to the core, not even strictly related to resettlement, but just a culmination of like how my life was. Um, so you don't blame the core for any of your mental health? Um, I think in life, mate, everything you experience has an effect on your mental health. Mm -hmm. um, the whole thing with with trauma is it's such an under um, an under researched phenomenon. And one thing I'm I'm I that my podcast highlight highlight a lot is just how many of us we join the core with with trauma. You know that tr that typical kind of damaged childhood that as an adult you then wanted to go out and sort of prove yourself um prove yourself as a man and of course the the, the marines is the, the option many of us took and and indeed the, the wider armed forces and yeah that can be a dangerous thing because you carry trauma into a profession and then in that profession by definition of the the parameters around you you're kind of looked after as long as you you know say yes sir at the right moments and are willing to you know fire your rifle it, it's quite a secure environment and then you come out of that rigid security and then you're in civvy street and all the rules have changed people have changed um the stress comes on because your your security is no longer there then if you do what i did was which was take lots of drugs um or and by drugs obviously alcohol is probably the the worst one um what were the drugs for in your view were they uh to, they were happy pills or were they uh answers to feeling down or what uh I, my drug was crystal meth which is very uh pure in hong kong you can say so it's a, a an extremely pure form of amphetamine so let's say a rapper speed in the UK, you might take it and go dancing for four or five hours. And the motivation to take crystal meth. Um, oh gosh. Well, first of all, it makes you feel 
absolutely brilliant. Like, like. So it went hand in hand with the night scene sort of thing out there. It, it went hand in hand with a lot of things, Jonah. You know, the, the, the driver behind addiction is childhood trauma, which is, comes back to what, what, what we were originally saying. And so if you've got, imagine you've got someone who's damaged for, who's been damaged their whole life, unbeknown to you, in your head, you're, you're not on, you're not experiencing what those people who haven't had a damaged childhood go through life experiencing, right? Let's yeah. just say their, their kind of well-being is there. Yours, unbeknown to you, is always down here. And that might manifest in, in different ways, just to name some, but, but, but not all of them. Maybe, maybe you feel a bit different to people. Uh, maybe you might be a, an extrovert. On the other hand, you might, it might manifest as being an introvert. You might be a bully. You might be subject to, 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 to being bullied. You know, lots of, yeah. lots of kind of psychological um challenges there to work through the dangerous thing is when 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 you're then present you you become a risk taker by nature because you're always looking for that thing that, that could bring you happiness right hence why in my case i joined the marines to me it was going to be the big answer and uh, but before your time in the corps did you ever touch drugs uh not not really so that answer tells me that you've been introduced to them and you were well, aware. I had, a, I had a mate growing up around about the time I was 17 who mass smoked a load of weed. And one day he gave me a joint and said, smoke that. And I smoked it and I, I honestly didn't feel anything. And then afterwards he, he, he was making this, this joke saying that he'd uh, sold me Mexican goat's grass or, or he's given me Mexican goat. And I did wonder whether it was some herbs from his shelf, because like I say, it had no effect, but apparently that's quite, quite common. But no, I wasn't, that wasn't like my environment growing up. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sort of surrounded by that, but. Um, I mean, as for me, I've, I've never taken drugs, not that I need them. People say, you know, that uh, drugs probably wouldn't have an effect because you couldn't get as crazy as I have been with some of the things I've done. Uh, I once had a drink spiked. I remember a Christmas party in London with, uh, with speed. They put, popped a few pills of speed in and uh, the next thing I, well, I woke up at home, but I, I apparently had gone completely naked and was running down a dual carriageway. Okay. Um, so I, I, I like to live life to the full anyway. And I've never had the need for any drug to assist me. Um, but so you, I'm not, you just said you drank. Uh, yeah, someone had uh, spiked a drink. So you drink alcohol? I drink alcohol, yeah. Yeah, well, that's uh, like the worst. <laughs> Take it from a substance misuse specialist. That is the worst drug. That's yeah, well, the worst but, thing, that's the worst thing. You, that's the worst drug you deal with as yeah. an alcohol. That and cigarettes. Oh, I have them as well. So I'm a drug user then, hey, that's what you're telling me. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we, we shouldn't sort of, we shouldn't make, really make, make light of it because the most dangerous drug known to man, which is alcohol, is currency in the job that you and I used to do, right? No, I know, and I used, I, I you do remember that it would, you'd kick the arse out of it big style in that. Um, and I enjoy a drink. I. My my particular outlook is I associate drink with um, with happiness. If I've ever felt down or upset, I never ever turn to drink. Um, I'll go for solace and quietness for that. But if I want to celebrate something, I have whiskeys, a nice selection of uh, you know single malt whiskeys downstairs, and they're there for births, deaths, and marriages, and the occasional welcome. Mm. They're, they're, uh, I've had them a long time, so I don't misuse those as far as I'm concerned. I use them appropriately. Yeah, the, the, coming back to this trauma thing, so 
as I said before, you know, the most dangerous drug, alcohol, is currency in, in the forces. So you, you, you develop this, uh, this routine of drinking and not attaching any, you know, kind of significance to, to it, right? And don't get me wrong, this isn't, I'm not lecturing. I've, we all drank to extreme in the Marines. It, we had some crazy nights. None of us would have changed any of them except perhaps where people got hurt. But, you know, it, 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 it was good, generally good, good, crazy times. But the problem comes in is when you come out and you suddenly suffer this massive insecurity because your life has changed so much and then you're reaching for the bottle or in my case it was you know crystal meth in other people's cases it might be you know what whatever prescription medication and that's that's where the the cycle of addiction kicks in because you get this thing it makes you feel great you forget your stresses you forget your trauma you forget the fact that you can't pay your bloody mortgage this month or that this civilian boss you've got is not, you know, a bit obnoxious, whatever. And of course, when that drug, whatever it might be, wears off, then you sink down lower than you were before. So what do you do? You think, oh, well, I'll, I'll do the drug thing again, right? And this is where the, the pattern of addiction comes in. And it's fine initially, you're in a sort of honeymoon period, but then your life will start to slowly unravel because you're not, you know, you're not, you're not on point basically, right? So yeah. things, start, things start to slide like your personal admin or your hygiene or paying, paying a bill because you needed to rob that money to pay this, this guy here or whatever. And what happens is, is your life starts to come apart. And what do you do? You go to this happy drug that makes all that not an issue, right? You compound that with a situation where you've come from a career where you had a lot of self-esteem, a lot of pride, the respect of your, the men around you, very macho, you know, there's nothing wrong with me environment. Well, suddenly there is something wrong with you and it's really wrong and it's not just killing you, but if you've got family, it's destroying them as well. And who are the people that you should be able to turn to should be your oppos, but you can't because of this big disconnect, which is why I, I, I say things like, please understand fellas, alcohol's the worst drug. You know, we were all junkies in, 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 in the military, you know, get over it. Right. And I'm saying that because we're in a suicide epidemic, Jonah. And, yeah. you know, our buddies are killing themselves, brothers and sisters, at an alarming rate. And it's because they can't connect with us because of this, you know, this almost what can often be like a bigoted disconnect. Oh, well, I drink, but, you know, I never did any of that. It's, it, it doesn't matter. You know, are you completely, are you teetotal? Are you completely clean or do you have a few vices? Um, well, here's the thing. Clean's never a word I use because I was never, you know, mental health isn't dirty. Most people will experience a mental health condition at some point in their life or they'll at least have a, have a loved one. So I try to get away from that stigmatizing language because one of the biggest problems you face when you're going through mental health challenges is the stigma that other people put on you and obviously language is the, the currency of stigma um but you drink I, you have a drink mate i will do anything i don't make any rules on my life right. i'm a free individual i don't sign up to a church i don't do politics I do what I want, what what I want, when I want, as long as I don't hurt anybody and that I look after my family and set a good example for my son, right? So to step forward from there, my life is in such a beautiful place now, Jonah, that that I I I've found a diet that really works for me. I do a little bit of exercise every week, so I trot around the block. I have a nice morning routine which before this current situation used to be um, 
grabbing a sauna at the gym at six o'clock every morning. It just set me up for the day. I've got a career now that I've, I've, that's, I've worked really, really hard to, to make work. And in short, I kind of sum it up for people by saying I live in paradise, you know, it's taken me 80 countries of adventures across all these seven continents to get where I am. It's taken a lot of, you know, life experiences. Um, it's taken a lot of education, not just through the university system, but uh, informal education as well. And, and um, so to answer your question, it's like, I don't need to do all that stuff now. You know, I used to do it because I thought it made me happy. And now if I do it, it actually takes me from this beautiful high that I live on every day. And it gives you the hangover thing where you just, you go down there and I physically feel that I function differently, mate. You know, when I'm down there, it's life ain't, it, my day isn't the fun. I'm normally up here without drugs and alcohol. Yeah, and if I dabble with them now, it it you might get a, like a bit of a high for the first hour or even two or three hours, but then suddenly you plateau and it's like ah, uh, I'm drunk again or you know or I'm high or whatever. And then when you when you're down here, you just end up thinking like, why, why did I do that? Why why did I do that again? You know, and this is. This is called the cycle of change. This is how people like myself work through the whole um, process of addiction. And you come out the other side, obviously, a, a wiser and stronger person. But putting, putting the, that to one side, like I have everything in my life now, mate. You know, I don't really need, I don't really need to, <laughs> to, to, to drink um, no, we have the gut one of the things you've organized the gut run ashore for instance you, you know you've got that that's it's not promoting drinking but it's a get-together but the thing i like about these old veteran get-togethers is um as I, and i go to spain every year to meet up with the guys is that uh you know if you want to drink and some of them do they hammer it home like they're still teenagers Mm -hmm. um, but if you want to go out and have an orange juice or a cup of coffee and there's a few of the guys who were teetotal, uh, nobody knocks them for it. That, I think the difference between the veteran era and when you're young and serving is that you're goaded and you're bullied into drinking when you're younger. When you're older, you do what the hell you want and everyone respects you for that. Nobody's going to put you in a corner and say you drink this bottle. Yeah, I, I mean, I get people when when they come on my run ashore going, we have a Chris, I don't, I don't drink anymore. I say, no, nor do I, not, not, nor do lots of people. What, what, that shouldn't be an issue, you know? Yeah. And absolutely, I'm going to go out on the limmy. I think you get more respect being the one that doesn't drink, you know? Especially if you've got a car, duty driver. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think people, you know, so many of our, our ilk, mate, realize that they've probably done that too much in their life i mean yeah. a lot of us are dying before we're 60 right yeah I well i just got a message just before we went on air with this uh a young guy um who's who's just dropped dead um and it, it's it's sad um so i've, I've got to respond to that afterwards oh, but bad, let's move on to one of your videos what was the i was intrigued when i saw the video saying that you've been called out what was all that about yeah, no, I wanted to make a video because I'm all, I'm passionate about young people, Jonah. I, I, I like yeah. to think all adults should be, but I'm, I'm actually a youth worker. That's my degree. Um, and I always want to pass the information I know to young people, whether they want to use it or not, you know, that's, that's up to them because I came from a time in life where, your your parents generation didn't really teach you well in my experience much of any use right all the stuff they should have been talking about was kind of taboo back then and and lots of stuff was uh brushed under the carpet you had a lot of 
these kind of faux principles that you had to live up to um, in terms of sort of etiquette and 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 the way just the way things would were, were done back then right so what what i wanted to do in this video was trying to get the point across to young people that look up to me because i've got you know 20,000 people on my, my my channel now many of them young many of them have sort of been attracted to me because they they hear the marine moniker and they that's something that they aspire to in some way and i wanted to say fellas look or fellasses as well if you have an issue with someone the way to go about that is not to take to the internet and make all that public and i highlighted this guy that had come out and he'd accused me of not serving right i i you know being a water mitty was he a service yeah yeah he was a, a former matlow so sailor so one of our yeah. what this is the this is part of the reason I made this video he's our brother right yeah and I just wanted to say to people this is not how you do things in life you know for a start if you want to find out about someone first thing just type their name into us to, to an internet search engine uh -huh. the, the information about certainly when someone's um, been in the media as much as I have I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to say I'm a celebrity. I don't mean that, but you know, I've done countless interviews over the years. I've written. Uh, I understand what you're saying. I know where you're going. Yeah. You know, I've, written, I've written six six books, right? You just type Chris Fall in, in, into a search engine and hit images. There's pictures of me over eighty countries across the world, Jonah, in my yeah. uniform, green berry, running a length of country to raise awareness of veteran suicide, right? And, and I'm saying to these young people, like, do that before you go and not just attack a veteran who's clearly overcome a lot of trauma in my life, right? Who could be suicidal at any moment and you don't, you know, the person who sees you on the internet, they, they don't consider any of that, right? I said, do, do a bit of background research. And then the next thing is, so what if I haven't served? what does it matter to you what do, how does that affect in any way your life right yeah if i have served or not what why should you eat why don't you go and look after your family and be a good father and you know and a good friend to take the time that you're attacking me online to go and check if your next door neighbor's all right or to mm -hmm. go and you know run around the block do something positive and the dust has the dust settled on this now well and the other thing again i just wanted to say is jonah i don't care i uh, don't care if you want to call me a water me great in fact to be honest there's a part of me <laughs> I, I find it really funny i i honestly don't care if everybody if everybody in the rural marines tomorrow turned around and went nah he's not one of us he never served that's fine by me. Do you know why? Because I don't live in my ego, Jonah. You know, I, I did that for many years and I suffered the mental health consequences because of it, right? Yeah. Um, and it's not healthy. I don't think it's healthy that if my identity is like when I was 18 years old, because I'm 50 now, and what was it that Muhammad Ali said? If, if a 50 year old man thinks the same, as when he was 20, he's wasted 30 years of his life, right? So the, my point is, it genuinely doesn't bother me whether people think I've been in the Boy Scouts, the Girl Guides, you know, the Naval Reserve, the, the, the Commando Parachute, Underwater Knife Fighting Dagger Regiment. I, why would I care? My life's perfect and I've got a gorgeous family and I love what, what I do, you know? So... I mean, I I'm 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 quite well known through the internet because of the the water missy I met at Westminster. Now, as I've 
said before, you know, I, I'm not a hunter. I don't go out looking for these people. And we were there at the Al Blackman support um, uh, event uh, when uh, we were trying to get him released from prison. And we went down to support that. And then this chap turns up and I went and had a word with him. Um, what I like from the comments on that is the people commending me on my approach because I'm not vindictive. I wasn't attacking him. It was just questions and inquiry. Some people say, you should always ask them their military number. Um, but I think that asking the military number is to, you know, it, it's a personal, that some people may use it for, for security, for instance. So I don't like giving the number. Plus, if they do reel off 10 digits and letters and so on, how do you know that that, that, the, that, that isn't a real number? So there's a few issues with that, but I just have a general chat. We know through chat as bootnecks that we talk in a particular way. We have our own language system almost. Um, and some of the words have actually made their way into the dictionary. Um, but if I was to challenge someone, I wouldn't do it in an overt or aggressive manner. I would just chat to them. And you normally know. And if they aren't, you just turn around and, okay, you know. And, and it, when it comes down to all the minutes, you wonder why, why do they do it? And, you know, I have, in my view, three categories as why people dress up. You've got the um, the people with mental health. Um, you know, very sorry for those guys. Um, you know, they'll read Bravo Two Zero, and at the, after the last page, they'll think they were actually there. You've got these guys. Then you've got those um, who it said just want to feel what it's like to be a hero, to dress up. Um, and then the third one, I think, uh, are those who do it fraudulently in order to gain. Um, so we've seen people who go shaking buckets for, say, help for heroes, but they're not doing it for that. It's for their own pockets. Um, that's the, the where people uh, are doing it knowingly and fraudulently. They're the ones that should be caught, imprisoned. Yeah, that's where it's a crime in my view, but for the other two, I don't see there's any great harm. Mm. Yeah, just to be clear, I should say a few a, a, a few things, just to add a bit of context, because it's like this, I've paid 11,000 pounds of my own money now, Jonah, to raise awareness of this veteran suicide epidemic, right? For you? Well, I not just paid £11,000 of my own, it, basically the last of my savings, but I ran a thousand miles non-stop carrying a 15 kilo Bergen, so the length of the country, ultra marathon a day, sleeping at the side of the road, right? Ran half the length of the country with a broken leg, what, what we would call a shin splint, right? So a, a stress fracture in, in my leg. I still, I still, you know, want to support these boys and girls that much that, that I wouldn't, I just wouldn't stop. Right. I then, uh, did a quadruple Ironman again, um, both for military veterans charities the the, the Ironman was for rock to recovery, had to buy all the equipment. So the bike, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, I've written, Two, two books now, this is not a plug, but they are just happen to be sat there. Two, two books now. There was the other one, the, the white one. I didn't see that one clearly enough. Right. Yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I've written two books now about how it is to be a veteran that suffers with your mental health, who suffers with, with you know, overcoming trauma and all the related alcohol and drug issues that, that, that go with that. Um, Again, you know, I'm responsible for bringing, I don't want to give any details, but for bringing the most amount of veterans together, not outside of the Al Blackman thing, perhaps, uh, you know, for our, for our annual night out. It's like this, you want to call me a walk? Like, come on, who, who, who's got the problem? Seriously, this is, this is why I say, if a veteran wants to call me that, like, he, 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 this, I don't know if I'm making sense, mate, but can you see why it honestly doesn't bother me? Because I don't think the problem is with me, Jonah, you know? No, 
No, we've never served. I'd have no no issue that you're the real deal. Mm. Um, But what I've done just for you, Chris, I thought, well, let's let's put it to the test. You know, we talk in a particular way. We have our own set of questions uh, or we we can talk. We know just from meeting somebody Um, like in the video at Westminster, I just said to the guy, where did you serve? If you were a bootneck, I would have expected the answer, you know, 40, 42 commando, 45. But to be told Pebble Island, you think, mm, that's that's not right. Let's ask a few more questions. And then the guy just dug himself a, a hole. I wasn't there to ridicule. I was just asking the questions and it went from there. Now, for the, for the viewers of this little podcast here, I've, I've got some, I've got, I'll give you 10 questions. And if there's bootnecks on there, I'm pretty sure they'll answer them straight away, as will you. Uh, you okay, so you might fall over. We're only human. You haven't got a clue what these questions are. We'll have it as a little bit of fun. Um, but it would also be interesting that if there isn't anyone who has served in the Marines but could answer any of these questions, I'd be interested to know in the comments below. So uh, are you ready for the, for the questions? Now, you've got a choice. Of, mate, choice I'm, excited. Of, oh. I'm excited. I feel like I'm on a bloody generation game or something. Good game. I, Good know, game. I think... <laughs> what, my you did it. You did the chin. <laughs> hey mate that's probably racist my these days. that's racist my again <laughs> he's 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 dead <laughs> um, <Yeah>. oh <laughs> anyway nice to see you to see you nice <laughs> so, <laughs> so as i say if anyone out there can answer any of these questions that hasn't served i'll be interested um they'll, probably, they'll get one or two of them but could they get 10 out of 10 so I'm just going to throw these questions out to you. So, first question for you: What does uh, what does KFS stand for? That's Kentucky Fried <laughs> uh, Knife, Fork, and Spoon, sir. Knife, Fork, and Spoon. We got those. Do you remember the little brown pouch they came in? So we didn't. Yeah, hurt. I'm, I'm. But here's the thing: I'm having to think now because obviously I've been on lots of expeditions. And I bought myself a KFS, and and the one you get in millets or blacks, as it became, it, or actually, I'm not sure. Yeah, but, no, thing, blacks but, and millets were too separate. They yeah. they competed. But they they come in a little clear transpa- translucent or transparent plastic pouch, yeah. right? And yeah. but I do. Everything came in a pus's green canvas thing, didn't it back then? Did it have the little string that you tied around? I use the bungees that I used to do the bottom of my trousers with, but the one I got came in a little brown plastic uh, leather imitation pouch that we got the the, the KFS in. Yeah, that's that. And well, they, we joined and they little rivets in the spoon, so they would all slide yeah. in together. Yeah. And then um, you go to, when you go to Norway, they say don't take a metal spoon because it makes too much noise, and you take so you take a wooden one, right? Oh, and it sticks to your tongue if you don't. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's right. me. There's me buying a wooden spoon, cutting it down with a saw so it's, you know, not extra weight. And I'm there in my tent sheet, turned the boat next to me, he went, oh. Pulled out a spoon from the naffy, <laughs> you know, from the galley. I'm like, what about tactics? And he's thinking, and this guy had about nine nine winters under his belt, so he knew a lot more. <laughs> he knew a lot more about it than me. All right, so we'll stick to the um, theme of food then. Um, I was going to ask you about where we eat, and you've mentioned that the galley. So I'll not go there. Um, on food, what's the name of the burger caravan on camp? That's Dutchies, <laughs> but it's now renamed as Dutchie the Gas Thief. Apparently, is it? Did you, hear, what is did you that? hear about that? No. Okay. First off, if I've got this story wrong, Mister Dutchy, I'm really sorry. But I saw something in the media, um, or some, you know, somebody posted something on Facebook or something. And for all these years, nobody knew they were tapped into the gas line, Limston's gas gas supply. Right. So they were getting all their cooking gas for free for for twenty. Oh, it must have been longer than that, because they've expanded to many other camps and they were also 
um, up at the ranges as well. And, and I think you had a mobile one that actually drove up and met you there. And mm. so that, that ex bootneck Dutchie has done a uh, tremendous trade. So next question then what's on, you do the endurance course. What's the name of the road just before you hit the footbridge in the camp? The last road with uh, its only pain sign on it. Um, I'm getting images of when you split up with your your Pash, which is your girlfriend, isn't it? Yeah. So is that Heartbreak Lane? Heartbreak Lane, you got it. Yeah, careful not to say Heartbreak Ridge then, which was a great film. It was. Well, yeah, no, it was good. I enjoyed that with Clint Eastwood. Um, on Heartbreak Lane, it's not another question. Do you remember the... Uh, the name or what we called the farm you came out on the nine mile if you came out at the end of heartbreak lane you'd turn right and then left to go up red barn lane but if you went left which was part of the nine mile route there was a farm on the right what what was that called you remember it i think i rem i do actually remember that place but not from a military run i think i ran past it in in my ronils one day so my civvy you know my pt kit what, what um, did we call it I'm going to have to, all I could say is red, but it's a pass. No, no. It was, well, it's not one of the questions I said. It's, uh, we call it Smelly Farm because okay. it always ooze the, uh, the back ends of the cows. Mm. Um, oh, it is a good one for you. And I'll be interested if anyone that hasn't served knows what this is. Uh, what is a luminod? Is that related to the tabs that we wore on our shoulders to, yeah. indi to indicate how long, when you were in the induction phase, you wore these, was it orange tabs? Orange tabs, yeah. And that was so nobody ripped your head off if you, did, if you didn't march properly or you didn't, didn't, if you called someone sir when they were a NCO or something. Do you know when, uh, one of my funny anecdotes for training, we'd been on the parade square and we'd talk, talk marching and we'd talk saluting. And this one particular three-hour session on the drill square, we had the uh, salute into the right, salute into the front, salute into the left. And we finished, and we're then marching back to our accommodation to get changed for the afternoon's lectures. And as we were going, one of the guys from our troop was in front of us, marching ahead past the, um, uh, uh, the Padres uh, church. And as he walked up, two officers came down either side. And you could just see the dilemma, what do I do? And as he walked in between these two officers, it was... <laughs> <laughs> I hope they laughed about that, because um, it was funny. People did take stuff far too freaking seriously, didn't they, at times? They did. When I was on, uh, uh, I was on wonderful ship, HMS Invincible, for a year, and I think it was Nige, Nige Eaton, Friend, friend of mine now live, lives in lives well lives in the same place I do. Um, he was going up the the gang the was it, was it gangway wasn't it up the gangway? The gangway yeah. Or you you colloquially called it the gangplank. Yeah. So he's going up the gangway, and uh, I think the captain came down, and Nigel had his kit bag on his shoulder, and as he shuffled to one side to 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 let the um, the captain down which is unusual because you usually stopped you had to salute the ship before you yeah. before you went up the gangway it's just some sort of historic um naval thing, thing but uh yeah as the captain came down nice shifted that way realized he's holding his um pusser's kit bag and he went <laughs> so he saluted with the <laughs> with the other arm and that made a few people laugh i bet it did okay so um what are the two brass objects that sit outside the guardroom that you get to polish if you've been naughty? Uh, monkeys, brass monkeys. <laughs> they they are ca cannons, mate. Yeah. Yes. I you, did you ever polish them? No, I never had to polish them. I, I do, did. I do remember people getting in trouble and get having to get the brasso out. Um. Oh, you know, okay, next question for you, gymnasium. You've got the main gym where we did IMF, but there's another gym on the right where the judo mats are, and then you've got the weights, but what's on the very far wall? 
Okay, first thing I'm going to say is I think it's all changed around now because I, I was up there not long ago. But when we were in training, uh, on the far wall. We're not talking like the, the, the bar things that you put your foot under? No, no, no. It was on the very far wall and it, and it went down as well, but it was the whole wall. Hmm. Mate, I never actually served in the Marines. <laughs> I used to look at you guys and your, your big muscles and your moustaches and I just wanted to be like you, all right? <laughs> You're going to have to help me out on, on this one, mate. I, um, I, I seem to remember... There was, was there the Globe and Laurel was on one of the walls, or was it the club? No, 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 you're, talking, you're in the wrong gym. Ah, okay. The other gym, so if you came out of that gym at the corner, you've then got the PTI's office on the left, and then there's another double set of gym doors. It's not as big, it's much longer. Yeah. And it was normally where, they, where, you, did your, where you did your milling, and your, the judo mats are in there, where you did your unarmed combat. Then there was some the, like weights machines, and then yeah. behind that there was a there was a feature on the back wall. I'm gonna say climbing wall, mate, but no, yeah. I don't. It's the climbing wall. Yeah. Fuck okay. it. <laughs> yeah. We went around the streets and houses to get that one. Didn't well, we? I'll, I'll be honest, that was a bit of a stab in the dark because when you said it went down, that's a bit of a clue that it's maybe gonna. Yeah. They needed it to be higher, right? So. <laughs> okay. Question for you then. Where does the 30 miler begin normally for most? Uh, mile one. <laughs> what location? Oakhampton Battle Camp. That's correct. Well done. Okay. Here's one that you've, you've got to be a genius on GPS to know how to get to this place. But what is the, uh, what's the name of the ranges that we use in training near Exmouth? That's straight point, isn't it? Straight point, yeah. Straight point, yeah. I, uh, did you ever? I, I, you must have had a degree as a driver to get there because I remember trying to work my way out. How do you get there? And and then when you finally get to the camp, you're there. You're sitting up on top of everything, and it's like you're in a prison camp. And I can't remember the name of the the holiday camp next to it, but you had all the young girls coming to watch all these soldiers doing bayonet and, oh, and shooting. And we never had that luxury. I well, I always. You're, you're your, your troop wasn't as good looking as ours. Wow, I mean, you know, that's we're, we're only human, mate. Um, but I always remember that place had a very dark feel to it, didn't it? Because it was where was it? One nod, shot another nod, shot him dead. I, 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 I'd be lying if I said I. Oh, I know about that one. Oh, I, it I, was one of those things that it was one of those kind of urban, not a myth, but an urban legend sort of thing that everybody. Um, I, I, did, I can't pretend I remember the circumstances. My memory's saying one nod pointed his rifle at another and went, right, fucking have some of this, and he was pissing around, but there was a, there was a round in the, you know, up the chamber. That's sad. Mm. Okay, question for you. If a bootneck is offered a bag off, what is he likely to expect? What is there an age rating on your show, mate? Don't we? Don't we blown that out of the water already? And we <laughs> a bag off is um, certainly refers to having sex with a female, a woman. Um, That'll do. I think we're going to get ourselves into trouble if we yeah, elaborate. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, well, mate, the call's a very different place now to what you and I served in, you know? Yes, but the words are still the same. Yes. Okay, another one on words. So, uh, if, to a bootneck, what are babies' heads? Uh, that's um, meat pie, is it? Um, uh, is it like faggots? I, I, I... No. It was steak and kidney pudding. You're close enough. Yeah. But can you tell me what uh, letter ration packet came from? 
I don't know. I do, maybe some someone's out there. They can say, "Yeah, it's uh, that was ration pack C or whatever." Wasn't that? that it's always was, in a wee tin. It was in a tin, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. When you open it up, it just looked like little babies, brand new born heads. Perhaps when you like, perhaps when you finish uh, grilling me, I'll I'll say a few things about mem memory because that's uh, you know what with this whole water mitty thing, there's there's other implications in why people can't. But but no. no, that's right. But as I say, these questions are not there. You know, if you've served in the core, which you've clearly proven, um, you know, not that I have any dispute on it, <laughs> they wouldn't have been able to answer these questions. Hmm. Um, so if a if a marine says to you, hands you a drink and says sandy bottoms, what would you do? That's drink it right down. Yeah, you finish it. You get the last yeah. drop. Don't you? Well, it, it's more like. Yeah, that what you said that ladder bit. Sandy bottoms is where there's a little bit in a pint, and you give it. You say sorry, sandy bottoms, isn't it? Uh, that, yeah, it's no, not I, so much. I, I, it's not. It's not like a down in one is what I'm trying to say. Um, is it, this could be quite a tricky one. So um, on the bottom field, you have got the assault course, you have got the Tarzan assault course, but at the far end there's a building, which we did CQB with. But uh, we, we, we named it. It had a name. What, what do we call it? Oh, it was something house, wasn't it? Or am I yeah. thinking of... Am I thinking of um... I'm going to... I think this is one where when you say it, I will actually know this one. Whereas the other the first, one... Was... Give you the first letter. It's F. Oh, not, not Fibia House. Yeah, Fibia House. Yeah, Fibia, fighting in a built-up area. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I thought I thought you were going to say it was some comedy sort of name then. No, 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 no. I'm not here to trick or anything. Um, and is it the, the main building where we did the lectures? Do you remember they did them always in the afternoon after Scran, so you always fell asleep in lectures. That that building complex that had the lecture theatres and the offices and the admin. What, what do we refer to that building as? That's the Puzzle Palace. Puzzle Palace, bang on. So there you go. There's 10 random bootneck to bootneck questions. How do you think you did? Yeah. Um, it's like I said, you know, people love living cliches, don't they? And, and it's a, ask him the service number. Who's their troop stripey in training? And, and it's, Here's the thing. Some of us have suffered brain damage in our lives. Some of us have suffered trauma. Many of us are drunk and taken fucking shitloads of drugs. Our memory is just not what it is. And so these kind of clear cut interrogations that people like to employ, they're not fail safe. I had to remember my number a while back. Mate, I honestly, it took me. I had to get the grey matter in gear, mate. And I, I, I know I told you this earlier. I, I was coming up with the beginning of the number, but I was confusing it with my... Uh, my... Um, what's the, the national insurance number? All right. Right? I can't remember mine. You know, I'm, 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 I'm just saying, because if you think about it, I hadn't had to think of that number for like 20 years. I, I had no reason to. I think I was filling in a, I was filling in a, 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 a form and it asked me for my military number and I really had to stop and think, you know. Um, and the other thing as well is I was challenged in a bar. Um, it was a really silly, it was just, it was silly. It was a, it was a freaking funeral of one of the lads. And someone took it upon himself to start doing the Walter Mitty thing. Um, and what triggered it is he pointed at a lapel pin I had. And he went, oh, that's nice. And it was a joint services. So it had the, or it, it, it had the Globe and Laurel on one side. And then it had, like, it just said armed forces on the other. So it was like a double kind of logo thing, right? Emblem thing. 
Well, he, he pointed at like that and went, that's nice. Where'd you get that? Well, Jonah, in that moment, I couldn't remember where I got it. I, I still don't know where I got that lapel pin. I think it was given to me at one of the runner shores that I organized. Someone went, Chris, little present. And it was, you know, re really nice of them. You've got to remember, I've organized six, six of those. That's going back six years now. Um, and in that split second, I couldn't actually remember where I got this pin, right? And this chap seized upon my hesitancy in answering him as me being a Walter Mitty. And without even using, getting his brain into gear and, and, and you know, let's talk about this. He went, troop striping and training like that. Well, he couldn't have asked a worse question, Jonah, because we had two troop tripies in, in training, right? Easy for you to say. Stroop tripies. Brother, I'll call you back. Sorry, Jonah, I, I tried to hit the off button and I hit the bloody green one with just out of habit. I went, oh. <laughs> um, but no, so he asked me the, again. So his second question is followed up with something that made me hesitate because we had two troop tripes, right? We had one gentleman. He went off to join the uh, 14 int after about, let's just say, the first seven weeks or something, right? And uh, I couldn't remember his name, but I could remember the, the second one. I'm not going to say a name to anybody who, who's served around the time we did will know. So again, I couldn't give him that, you know, that immediate response. That was it, mate. Started laying into me. Yeah. So of course, I'm giving back as good as he's getting. And then, and then everyone's jumping in in the pub. It's a mate's funeral for crying out loud, right? And uh, like you, I don't, uh, you know, but I'll speak to someone. And if they're not, um, so long as, you know, it doesn't bother me so long as they're not capitalizing, they're not doing it. I mean, I find the, the offense uh, if somebody's wearing the uniform, wearing the medals falsely and saying that they were somewhere when they weren't. Um, it's more that that is the, upsetting to a majority. The danger we, we face is, men, as I said earlier, mental health is utterly misunderstood in this country, certainly by people of our generation, because it wasn't, it's one of these things that just wasn't talked about and it wasn't understood. There was massive stigma around it, and there still is, right, which is why I, I kind of ask people to assess the language that you know that they use and well here's the thing we don't know which one of these pretenders actually genuinely thinks they're in the military i had a chat on my podcast the other day very brave young man and very nice young man this is something we need to remember and it it, it he he was getting abused in childhood we i'm not going to go into it but i think you can guess right it wasn't very pleasant it was an adult who was supposed to be looking after him in his life and this guy was basically secretly abusing this child and when he grew up he grew up looking at servicemen as being the role model that he aspired to be and it can be a complex thing and i won't pretend i i can diagnose his situation but it could have been something like He's seeing these, he'd he become a skydiver at 16, so very young. So he's jumping out of planes with SAS guys and SB guys at the local, you know, who all use the local sort of airfield. I think it was near Pool or something. And, yeah. and he grew up and his mind developed the psyche that he was one of these guys. And that's obviously a protection mechanism against the trauma that he's carrying with him, right? And, and he was at a party one day and, and, and a girl said to him, so what are you doing? He went, oh, I was in the Marines. He, he said, it just came out like that. And it, it didn't occur to him that, no, you're not, you're not. So basically he's delusional, right? It's, this, this is, uh -huh. He's developed this delusion and, and um, he carried it with him for like, say two or three years. It, it became his, 
what do you do i'm i'm in the marines and and finally one day i think he took magic mushrooms and he had this reawakening in which he went oh my god what have i done you know and when he told the first person he told it was a, a, a an ex-girlfriend of his and they're at a party and he said look i've got something to confess I've been pre pretending I was in the Marines and I don't know why, right? And he said, she just burst out crying. She was so, like, she knew what this guy had been through and she could see, you know. And it's all right challenging, well, you know, it, it might seem all right challenging these people, but they got to wake up the next day and look in the mirror and, and it, and possibly acknowledge the fact they're mentally unwell. And then we're entering the realms of this, you know, and this is something we should be trying to protect and pushing someone over that edge just because, you know, how dare you wear a cat, it, it, is it, you know, when they're mentally unwell, it's... This, this, yes, there could be an argument that uh, mentally unwell, they're still, understand right from wrong well and as you say they face delusional no by definition if you're delusional it's not about right or wrong it's about you know you believe you're that you believe you're that person jonah you know it might be you're not delusional it might be you've got such a shattered sense of self that this is your way this is your coping mechanism this is like the only chance in your life you get you get to feel like important right you know and i'm not i'm not like trying to justify it i'm just trying to make make it easier for people on both sides of the fence to understand because when you're gonna you know if you're a veteran and you see someone with a paraberry on you know and and the wings and you're gonna go up how dare you you know my friends fought and it's like whoa hang on what if that guy's mentally unwell you know the thing that we all should be raising the profile of at the moment and supporting. What if he's been, you know, fucking raped since he's four years old, right? It, it puts a very different picture on it. Are you really going to yeah. go and, you know, you know, is, are you really going to... In terms of my, my little quiz, do you think that would work for some? Uh, we could turn it into a board game. Yeah, I'm just trying to think now what how they would answer to the baby's heads. They probably pull their dolly out. <laughs> it's funny though. I mean, you asked me that, right? I it took me a while to remember the whole. I mean, I remembered babies' heads was something like a meat and potato th thing going on there. You know, not not a, not a pasty, but like something that would have gravy slopping around it, right? Yeah. Um, I do obviously remember that in the ration pack because obviously we all have ration pack. Um, I've actually got some here now. Someone's just sent me a, a, a load and I'm going to do some, some videos on them. But Was that an Asda delivery? Uh, no, no. No, mate. That Asda, the blooming home delivery thing was booked up for like six weeks or something. I don't know how people survive this uh, this uh, apocalypse. I know. I'm not short of, of toilet rolls anyway, if you need a loan of one. <laughs> is, that um, where, is that where they all went? Mate, if you've lived in Asia, you'll know that there's, uh, let's just say, other methods other than, need, other than having to rely on toilet paper. I've done that. I've been on the uh, Mombasa to Nairobi train and it's just a hole in a little caboose which you have to aim through. You, you know, I'm pretty sure that's where Lancaster Bomber pilots uh, <laughs> did their training. Um, and then I've been in China as well. You've got guys with the, in the edge of the paddy fields where their public toilets are and you mm. crap into the fields and there are guys underneath shoveling it away. Um, when, you, when you get past Turkey, um, you no longer have toilet paper no. and you go in the, you know, you go in a service station or whatever, and there's a, a little jug and there's a tap. Ah, right. Yeah, I get it. It's, yeah. Uh, it's not, it's a, it, it, 
it's quite interesting really because when when you live like that for for i mean we did for three months or something then you've got to go back to toilet paper it actually feels a bit sort of unclean well yeah i mean i I was in pakistan and i remember going into one of their toilets in the street there was a dead a dead person lying in the street outside then you get into the toilet and you had to fight through the flies uh, because the toilets are washed naturally by the downpours um, but, uh, but obviously they were well overdue one because of the, the, the height uh, I mean you, you should have got a medal just for going in the building Chris Thrall thank you very much for the chat maybe we can do a few more in the uh, future um, again bounce some other ideas and do anything else and if there's a way we can support each other um, then let's do it yeah that uh, would be good that would be good Jonah yeah well hopefully well listen thanks very much and uh, God speed to you this week and we'll catch up maybe share a beer when the lockdown is lifted yeah that would be good mate that would be good thanks for doing this friends thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.